Hey guys, what's up? This is Andy Frisella here. You're listening to Big MX Radio, but when you're done with this episode, come check out the MFCEO project, themfceo.com. I got all your motivation. I've got everything you need to know about running your brand. I've got everything you need to know about getting shit done, and we can do it together. Welcome to the Big MX Radio Podcast, brought to you by Medterra CBD. You can go to medterracbd.com right now and enter discount code BIGMXRADIO15 upon checkout to save 15% every time you shop at medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD is the place to go for all of your CBD needs. They have the cooling cream. They have the Medterra CBD Plus Melatonin, which is one of my favorite uh, products, of course, as a student, staying up uh, somewhat late. Sometimes it's tough to get on that sleep schedule again, or maybe you're doing lots of flights and uh, you're you're like my my good friend Dave Drake, and you're coming in late for uh, for some flights. He needs to get back on the sleep, proper sleep schedule. A little bit of CBD plus melatonin get you back on uh, the way to go. And if you feel a little bit groggy in the morning, those CBD good morning pills unbelievable get your day going uh no need for a hot cup of coffee you just grab uh one of those uh i think it's usually two i usually take is the uh the cbd good morning pills check those out at c at medterracbd.com and enter discount code biggermxradio15 to save when you check out this podcast is also brought to you by sickwix candles i'm currently uh uh sniffing the uh whiskey throttle Wax, soy wax candle. These things are awesome. They smell great. They sound great. They, uh, they, they create that ambiance so you can have a little alone time with the misses. And, uh, and also maybe the garage isn't, isn't smelling the greatest right now. You can burn those things. It definitely helps out. I am your host, Brad Gebhardt. Anaheim One is in the rear view mirror. I couldn't be more excited. And I can't wait. Every single year, one of my favorite things is watching Anaheim One. But, a close second is when I get on the line and I can talk to some of my best friends and one of my best friends all the way from Wisconsin uh, at the after every single one of these Anaheim ones, break it all down, talk about the ins and outs, and uh, and with us on the line, we have the sole proprietor of the collective experience, a gentleman who's been in and around the sport of motocross for over 20 years. He is an enthusiast, he is the ever-positive, and he's on the line right now. What's going on, David Drakes? Mr. Brad Gebhardt, what's up, man? And to get into this conversation, really stoked that uh, A1 happened. I can't believe you know it came and went this fast. It's insane, but uh, I'm answering, and I'm ready to get, ready to get into it and uh, you know see what the, uh, the season holds for us, man. Absolutely. Uh, we have definitely have some uh, some things to talk about. Uh, we're going to talk about the 450s uh, after the commercial break, but we'll we'll talk about the 250s right off the hop. We're going to kind of break down uh, not only the uh, the results, but also uh, the qualifying a little bit because that's sort, there was kind of a tale of two different days for a lot of the, uh, the guys out there. Uh, different qualifying times, guys who uh, did better during the day the daytime program than they did in the evening, and vice versa. Uh, guys who uh, were way off the podium during the daytime, uh, and then. Uh, when the lights came on, they made something special happen and uh, and, and really jumped up the leaderboard. So uh, without further ado, uh, let's crack this thing wide open. Let's get into this. Um, let's start talking about the 250s. Uh, overall, uh, timed qualifying, Yamaha 
has to be happy. In fact, they were happy uh, at the end of the night as well because it was very. Uh, it was a, it was a flipped order, but uh, uh, same two guys at the top of the leaderboard, both qualifying and the main event. Let's talk about the one W who ended up leading off the days the daytime program with the uh, the fastest lap time of the day. Um, he was uh, over over a second faster, or just about actually about half a second faster than anybody else on the track, which is pretty impressive on a track that I think you'd agree wasn't uh, a track that really separated a lot of guys. There wasn't, although there was ruts and mistakes that were made, for the most part, everyone was jumping everything. All the combinations were pretty simple. Um, Not to say either one of us would have been able to to navigate that track at any expedient uh, way, but uh, either way, Dylan Ferrandis takes your first pole position of the of the year rolls into the the second uh second heat race with the fastest qualifying time of 56.7 seconds which uh, is pretty telling because that uh it was actually uh the fastest times for the 250s ended up coming out of that first time qualifier I believe no it came as the second one never mind uh they were able to drop their times in the second time qualifier they were the last people to hit the track um of the uh, of the second half that was pretty impressive yeah, I mean, honestly, I it's super it's super amazing to see that Ferrandis could do that on a track that was pretty beat up. I mean, by the time the second session rolled around, the track was pretty gnarly. I mean, you mentioned the ruts and some of the the lips that developed, little uh, cupped out areas, especially in the whoops. And um, the guy was he looked like he was on rails. He was absolutely flying. But I can't say that I'm really that surprised. Ferrandis is my top pick guy for the season to win the West Coast Championship. Uh, and we talked about it last weekend when we were going over the, the pre-show. Uh, Ferenis is very good about getting comfortably very quick on these tracks. He's super smooth, has such great technique, such great finesse, and he's not afraid to push it and, and really carry momentum through the throughout the entire track. Um, I really, honestly, I, I kind of pegged him um, as the, the qualifier before the day even kicked off with Forkner close behind. I did not expect him to have such a gap. And um, to be honest, I didn't really expect... Uh, his teammate Cooper, uh, Justin Cooper, to be so close to him either, um, you know, close with the in quotations. But uh, I didn't expect him to have that that uh, that runner-up position behind him. I thought he'd be a little uh, little further behind. I want to say slacking, but maybe like that fourth, fifth spot. But uh, yeah, honestly, not surprised that Flanders did it. I'm just shocked that he did it on a track just like that. Man, it was it was pretty cool to see him. Yeah, no, like uh, the the Yamahas were uh, getting the power to the ground, getting those Dunlops to hook up a not so distant third. We're not gonna just gonna like roll down through all the qualifying, uh, but guys who sort of jumped off the page at me, Christian Craig. After uh, like maybe this shouldn't be a surprise whatsoever because this is sort of what he does is go get uh, top qualifying spots, uh, nipping at the heels of uh of Cooper, of Justin Cooper uh takes that third spot actually what sort of surprises me the most is the uh, there was a uh, like pretty there was a, a a cluster of guys who were in the 58s but there was only two guys who were faster than that like there was a there it seemed to be sort of like the the hot spot right there the 58 59 range there was a ton of guys right in and around there in fact it goes all the way back to 13th spot before you get out of that two second range but the uh both yamaha guys were almost a full second to a second and a half faster than uh that 58 second range and the 59 second range which is pretty impressive not only to take the top spot but to do so with a margin uh that tip that basically shows that the rest of the guys couldn't find it uh whether they were finding a hotline through one of the two whoop sections that there there, there was 
or uh, just uh, maybe maybe that hot setup that uh, that was sort of the X factor making something special happen. Uh, those Yamaha guys really did uh, make themselves the the class of the field. I think uh, maybe uh, what's what jumps off the page the most to me is. Um, is Brandon Hartraft ninth place in qualifying? Uh, his first time racing and uh, and competing at a high level on that uh, that TLD factory KTM. Uh, a pretty impressive showing. We haven't seen him jump to the uh, close that close to the top of the leaderboard uh, as far as qualifying goes. Which I think that's a step in the right direction if he's going to uh, make that next step this year. Hundred percent. Yeah, I agree with you. I think uh, we kind of pegged Brandon to be in sort of in this spot um, in our initial talks. Um, definitely, I, I 100% agree that the, the KTM, the, being around that whole outfit, being the team captain, is going to elevate his game. I think we're going to see a lot more of this and better. Uh, got the first race out of the way, the first race jitters, um, getting used to a new team. I think we can expect um, Hartman to be up there in the you know, seven, six, eight spot, kind of bouncing back and forth um, through qualifying as he gets more comfortable. But it's definitely a strong showing, moving this guy in the right direction, and we can only expect better from him. Um, he's going to need to step it up for sure if he wants to uh, – to really give uh, factory uh, KTM 250 squad like what they're what they're looking for, um, but uh, I think he can do it. I think he's a man for the job to really uh, to really highlight um, this team and, and, and move a lot that that uh, himself up uh, to that next step. Uh, he's really got to fill that gap with the Yamaha man though, because those guys are absolutely flying. I mean, it was pretty evident early on in, in uh, some of the the. the later qualifying and as well as uh, the e-races that those Yamahas have so much power just watching those guys just grab the gear coming out of some of those uh, corners into the whoops I mean it, it looked like these guys were on a 450 and they were on 125s you know they were they were just hauling the mail so these guys have to get cut out for them but uh, I think as we get further on the season they're going to start to come into their own I think so too. I think that there, there's definitely, uh, going to be a tightening of the field. Some guys going to be rounding into form in short, uh, in short order here. Um, but uh, was there anyone else that sort of jumped off the page as far as qualifying goes? Guys who you expected to do better who didn't? And, uh, there was sort of like that influx of, uh, Australian talent that we, uh, we expected to see show up. I actually, actually expected a little bit better showing out of Luke Clout, but there's a lot of talent in the front of that class. Um, uh, between Luke Clout, and it was uh, uh, Tanti and uh, Jay Wilson, a um, couple of couple of Yamaha pilots and uh, and a Honda pilot coming over from Oz to uh, to compete and do well. I'm sure uh, my our good friend Jonesy down in uh, in is in down under. Uh, it was probably uh, pulling for him, but uh, pretty cool to see a, a ton of Aussies uh, inside that top twenty, uh, moving, shaking, and uh, actually making up uh, damn near one fifth of. Uh, of the top, of the top twenty, that's pretty cool. Yeah, um, I, I wouldn't expect anything less. I mean, I don't know what it is about the uh, the water down in uh, Australia, but those guys know how to ride their motorcycles, man. But I think uh, with the, you know the growing popularity of the um, all Supercross and just more eyes being put on that series, it's it's just breeding this higher caliber riders. Uh, I think they started with Chad Reed, so. Um, yeah, I, I, I would just like you, I expected Luke Cloud to maybe be in that uh, that top eight, sort of top seven, at least in qualifying. Um, also, uh, a little bit surprised with Derek Drake. I did not expect him to be in the top ten for qualifying. Um, he really wasn't on my radar at all. I thought he would take um, quite a number of races to 
to get comfortable with being in the um, the, the Supercross scene and, you know, being that he's relatively new to, to the pros. So uh, hats off to him. He did pretty decent. Um, I will say I thought for sure that Forkner and both Jet Lawrence would be like third or fourth or second and third um, for qualifying. Uh, Jet is extremely talented. Goes without saying. I mean, we all know that. The guy is just uh, super, super fast, all out raw speed. And Forkner is kind of the same thing, kind of like both of like that young guy, uh, sort of all out speed that we see with a lot of newcomers to the, uh, to the pro ranks. Um, just a little bit surprised that they didn't really knock out some uh, some fast laps. Austin Faulkner, um, especially since he was known for that uh, between you know him and Sexton all last season. So a bit shocking there, but uh, still pretty pretty good showing. Uh, I think everyone else kind of fell respect for those guys too. Just uh, a few uh, few surprises here and there with, uh, with what you with, with what you expect and, and what actually shook out. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And that that uh, speed translated into uh, the evening as well. So let, let's uh, open that up and talk a little bit about the uh, what went down in the main event. Uh, and I guess we have to sort of, well, before we get to the main event, we kind of have to talk about that heat race. Um, Austin Forkner, Justin Cooper, they get together. There's some contact there. Um, Forkner goes down. Uh, some words are exchanged, some sort of, uh, like maybe a little bit of a, uh, I owe you one or, uh, let, let the games begin, so to speak from, from Forkner. Um, I don't really think that's super necessary. Uh, he seems to think otherwise quite often with this sort of stuff. Um, I think it's funny how Forkner says like outrageous things or acts erratically. And then when he goes on, like, whether it be social media or in interviews, he like he, he like he acts like what? Who me? Like I'm like what? Well, like and I'm like yeah you like it's it just you know what I mean? It, it's just like he just he yeah, he makes the, the the weirdest uh, um, mistakes sometimes, and um, he ends up uh, like the the results will say fifth. He ends he ends up coming across the finish line in the third place spot, but. Uh, he he ends up grabbing the uh, not maybe not the whole shot. Was it, did he take the whole shot or not? I don't think he took the whole shot. <clears throat> uh, but he leaves the first lap, comes around. He's uh, he's in control. Uh, Justin Cooper keeping him honest, and actually uh, Ferrandez didn't get the best starts, <coughs> so he had to come through to uh, to eventually get to the second place spot. But um, Cooper's just sort of minding his own business, hanging out in second place. And uh, I think Austin must have just hooked a rut, similar to what he did in, El- in Atlanta, two thousand and eighteen, when he sort of just veered to the to the to the left uh, and, and went into uh, um, Zach Osborne uh, at, during that rhythm section. He sort of just hooks to the right, goes straight into the the tough blocks, and oh, okay, the bike sort of twisted up, uh, twisted sideways to it was pointed the, the opposite way on the track, but. He had the option to turn his bars to the right and go through that left-handed corner or go to turn the bars to the left and continue on to the straightaway that was coming up. Um, and, like, I know it's a split-second decision, but that's literally what these guys get paid for is to make accurate split-second decisions. And in the in the case of Austin Forkner, at least on this evening, did not exercise good execution of split second decisions because that split second decision cost him uh i guess that's three points on the night 
and uh, a little bit of a like a fifth place in the series in a series where I think the the winner usually averages about a second place position. Um, you can't do that. Uh, you're like you. That's a a big step in the wrong direction, especially with these two guys that he's going to be racing with. Uh, tooth and nail for the rest of the series, both uh, Cooper, who's now got his first Supercross win, and Ferrandez, who is defending a title. Um, Forkner's got his work cut out for him a little bit, and he didn't make things easy on him this weekend, uh, having gotten himself in a little bit of a, a shoving match with Justin Cooper, which I don't think you really want to do that with Cooper. He seems like seems like a nice enough guy, but if you piss him off, he might uh, he might come after you. And same thing, with he's just got the speed that he might just be able to just race away from you as well. So... Um, Bit of a tough night for the fifty-two machine. Oh yeah, man! You said it. You said it really well. Um, you know, starting off with the whole competition between him and him and Cooper. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, I think it was you know that's just typical racing, and especially the first round when you have you know Austin Forkner who had essentially had that title sort of you know taken away from him with that injury. Justin Cooper, who was just vying for, for, for wins last year, really sticking a wheel in there with those guys. And then you've got, you know, Dylan Ferrandez, the defending champion. I mean, the, the tensions are high, egos are high. These, all these guys want to get out front, run away, and and just lay waste to the field. So you you got to kind of expect that, especially in the 250 class. You know, you're going to have the elbows out and, you know, some of the take-up moves. So um, I think to be expected, you know, if I was forked out, I would have just said, you know, hey, you know, touche, you know, um, I'm going to get right back to you. As long as you know uh, you're willing to, to take what you dish out, I think there's, it's all fair game. It's just once somebody starts, you know, rock passing one guy super hard and taking somebody out, and they start complaining with some of them, that's when it starts to become like a crowd baby moment for me. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's to be expected. Um, would I have done it that early on? I probably would have waited until it was like more of a all-out battle, maybe you know, swapping positions back and forth like that. But um, you know, still, Rubens racing. Um, I definitely think uh, Faulkner wasn't in the right headspace when he was, uh, whenever he recovered from uh, from that that issue with hitting uh, the tough block on his rhythm. Um, I definitely think for him, like you know, just being in the race mode, uh, he tried to enter the track in the best place that he could. Um, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty, so maybe swinging a, a right and then you know just trying to hop back on through that corner and then hopping onto that next double to step on. Uh, would have been a little bit uh, better. Obviously, you would have gotten back to points, but you know, when you got the goggles on, you're racing, you're making a mistake, you're trying to catch up in time. Uh, you know, you're just not sticking too well. So, uh, you know, small, small, high, you know, uh, small issue right there that you, that you can't really recover from in the moment. But you know, hopefully, you can make those points up w- with a series that's this short. Though, you gotta wonder if that's gonna, uh, you know come into play at some point. I mean, yeah, you can brush it off right now. It's only two or three points here, but um, it, it could affect him down the road. Hopefully it doesn't, but, um, you know, you, you never know. So hopefully, as we said, he can recover and get those points back, maybe get himself off to a better start so he's away from all the controversy. No one's trying to take him out and stuff like that and, uh, you know, get his sprinting away like we saw Fulton do last year. But, uh yeah, he's got his hands full right now with these Yamaha boys, man. And it's only going to get tougher once everyone else gets comfortable. So uh, I'm very excited to see how he does in uh, St. Louis and if the hometown crowd vibe sort of uh, gets a little bit amped up to uh, get back to his winning ways. Absolutely. <clears throat> I think uh, Forkner uh, maybe a little bit down, but not out of this series whatsoever. We could be talking three weeks from now, four weeks from now, uh, and uh, the kid's got a stranglehold on this championship 
uh, he's got that type of speed. He's a generational talent in the sport. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, really nice to see Michael Moseman make some charge and, and move forward. I think that uh, Cameron McAdoo is making a step forward as well, which uh, sort of spells, I wouldn't say a nightmare, but uh, some definitely uh, some stiffer competition for guys like uh, Alex Martin, who uh, didn't get um, the, the best of finishes. He ends up uh, didn't he get together with somebody, and because uh, he ended up starting in the fifth spot, he gets f- shuffled back to tenth. Uh, so he uh, n- not the not a night to write home for for the for the Suzuki. Um, but uh, yeah, like the guys like uh, Brandon Hartrap leading the KTM group with the seventh spot, and uh, and actually a pretty decent uh, finish for Derek Drake, who we talked about him quite a bit during the. Uh, um, outdoor nationals and in his struggles with some consistency and, uh, and and this that and the other thing where he wasn't able to perform to what we had expected he'd be able to in uh, in the outdoors many motos outside the points or uh, sometimes uh, just like fading big time uh, obviously Supercross isn't as uh, demanding as a motocross race but still impressive to see um, the 57 machine uh, right in behind uh, his teammate Seven eight, like for uh, the the KTM guys, I think you you kind of chalk that up as a bit of a W uh, as far as getting out of the first round with a couple of guys who it's their first weekend on a full factory based uh, motorcycle um, uh, in, in Supercross. Anyway, of course Drake raced the the KTM last year outdoors, uh, but he's he's this is Supercross debut, uh, eighth place, nothing to sneeze at. Jet Lawrence, his. Um, his debut as well, ninth. Got to be happy with that. And then uh, the rest of the guys sort of start to uh, to file in uh, where you'd sort of expect uh, a pretty decent performance from Logan Carnow, who ends up 18th, uh, going from uh, like like honestly this time two years ago didn't make the night show in the 450 class to now making mains and uh, and passing some guys in uh, the 250. Uh, uh, main events, so that's pretty impressive to see. Jay Wilson has himself an, an all right night. I think he was looking for a little better than seventeenth, but I think he'll take it. Uh, Mitchell Oldenburg left me scratching my head a little bit. Uh, we have we've seen this before, where he ends up ends up on the ground a little bit. Started in the fourth place spot. I was hoping for a little better than from him because I had him in uh, fantasy, I believe, and uh, that ended up biting me a little bit. Uh, he was like he was a handicap negative one or something like that, and he ends up sixteenth. So uh, the Texan, as usual, showed incredible speed, good starts, and uh, and no finish. Um, and um, for, I think, as far as I know, uh, Mitchell Falk was not able to uh, to finish most of the laps. So he uh, he started out twenty second or twenty twentieth, uh, lost a couple of spots throughout the night, and uh, and and didn't. Um, didn't complete a, a compete to, to the highest highest level, so uh, it is what it is. He receives uh, one point for his efforts. Moving on. So, <clears throat> um, that being said, um, who who out of this uh, this main event uh, would you say needs to have a sort of a get right weekend? Is rolling into St. Louis, where we should have mentioned this off the top of the podcast for the first time in almost two years. Brad Gebhardt is making his return to Monster Energy Supercross this weekend in St. Louis. No more talking about it. All yeah. about booking flights and actually making it to the collective experience rolling in this weekend. Looking forward to it. Yeah, man. It's going to be awesome. 
Um, yeah, it's, it's been way too long before, you know, without you being at a race, man. It's, it's much needed. Um, you know, going back to the roster, um, I, I, I agree with a lot of what you said. Um, I want to, um, you know, second that, uh, that shout out to Carnell. I think this year, uh, he really looked a lot more, uh, a lot more composed. I mean, in years past, maybe his technique wasn't, uh, that, that good. I mean, he was definitely, uh, people knew about him, but, uh, he was kind of hit or miss, you know, not the best, uh, I guess super cross finesse. He looked much better at A1. I mean, just the, the whole kid he was on, bike set up, the way he was charging, very on point. And it's always great to see privateers make that step up in their racecraft. So awesome to see that. Um, just like you said, I really expected Mitchell Oldenburg to be, I mean, without question, top 10. The guy was on a um, star racing Yamaha. He's been through this uh, year after year. Um, you expect him to, to be up front running with these guys that he was you know, amongst them called peers when he was on the team. So a um, bit disappointed to see a 16th, really almost, you know, what, maybe 10 places back from where we, ex- we kind of expect him to be. So hopefully he could turn that around. Um, definitely expected Luke Clout to have a, a much better showing. I'm not exactly sure what happened to him. I heard some um, mumblings about uh, him going down. But, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely not where you think Luke Clout should be, especially with his uh, – but fanfare and, and, and all the experience that, that he has from racing uh, in Australia, expect it to be a lot better. So hopefully those two guys can uh, can turn it around and uh, we can see some more out of them. Maybe vying for some top 12s and top 10s and so on and so forth. Uh, speaking of 12, shout out to Michael Lee, who's kind of off the couch, if I'm not mistaken. And, Pretty and much. Yeah, and, uh, no, shout out to Michael Lee's just ability to ride two yeah. wheels because the guy had no awesome. business being in 12. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He he looked he looked phenomenal. His bike setup um, looked really really good, and he looked you know like he's been doing this without a miss he's got a hot for wife. a of seasons. You know, <laughs> I don't know he about does. that man, but you know he, he rides he rides a bike well. So. He's he's uh, uh, him, man. his wife is uh, Villapoto's sister or his fiance. She's pretty good looking. Oh, uh, uh, she's also like five foot zero, which is fantastic. <laughs> Giving the short guy some uh, some hope. Well, I mean, there's nothing to, like short women are fun for everybody. Let's uh, let's not discriminate. <laughs> oh, man. Anyways, this was great, man. I'm I'm really I'm really excited to see uh, what happens throughout this season. I mean, there's so many storylines in this one class alone. It's it, it's crazy. And I feel like everyone's elevated their game too. A lot of the privateers that like I thought would do. You know, maybe this wouldn't be their night. It can take them a couple of races to even make the night program. They're all in here kicking ass, man. It's it's super super awesome to see that. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really enjoyed watching it. Uh, the two fifty class is going to be stocked full of talent, and you know those guys are going to be coming more and more competitive with each other. the The rivalries build throughout the season. It's lots of fun to watch. Let's switch it over to the 450s. We're going to throw it to commercial break right now. You'll hear from uh, such great sponsors as The Collective Experience, as well as Medterra CBD and Sickwix.com. Listen to these commercials. Don't fast forward through them. And we'll be right back in about four minutes to talk about the 450 class on the Big MX Radio Podcast brought to you by The Collective Experience and David Drakes. Hey, Big MX listeners. Thanks for listening to this episode. Check out these commercials, support our sponsors, we'll be right back to the show. Thanks for listening. 
Hey, Big MX listeners, let's talk a little bit about Sick Wicks Candles. Sick Wicks is the small business that you may not have heard of so far, and that's why they're on the show right now. That's why we need to get you informed. Soy-based candles are phenomenal. They're not made with the same harmful chemicals that a paraffin wax candle are made from, and the scents are unbelievable. You need to check these out. The Morning Moto smells like coffee. The Privateer smells like beer, as it should. All these awesome candles, you got to check them out. They're motocross, dedicated, and uh, they, they, they burn nice and clean. they got that wood wick that sounds awesome. It pops and crackles just like a real fire. And uh, it's going to make your garage smell better. It's going to make your living room smell better. And if you take them into the bedroom, don't tell me about it, but enjoy it. You're going to love these candles, and you can find them at sickwicks.com. Head there right now. Enjoy them, and you're going to love them. Absolutely. Check them out. Only recently have the health benefits of CBD products been acknowledged by the masses. CBD is every bit as powerful as it is misunderstood. In the past, we've known so little about a vital system that exists in every single one of us. Medterra CBD products promote wellness and overall improved health so that you can be your very best each day. A passionate and dedicated staff have developed an impressive lineup of CBD products which help as a sleep aid, an anti-inflammatory, and for pain relief. Why choose Medterra CBD? Medterra CBD products are of the highest quality, purity tests are done extremely frequently, and their responsive and dedicated customer care team will guide you through your CBD journey. For more information or to browse Medterra CBD's products, please visit www.medterracbd.com. Medterra CBD, our CBD, your health. Since 1979, Maxima USA has changed lubrication. Industry-leading products have equated to hundreds of championships wherever quality lubricants are needed. Maxima has built a reputation for great quality by earning lifelong customers one at a time. Customers who trust in the complete lineup of products from Maxima USA. From our flagship Castor 927 mixing oil to our famous SC1 and the full array of market-leading products, Maxima has what you need on the track and in the garage. Maxima racing oils are proudly made in the USA. For more information, visit www.maximausa.com. Big MX listeners, Supercross season is coming, and that means the return of the collective experience. Nobody brings you closer. Nobody gives you an exclusive experience where you are part of a privateer's racing program throughout the day. I'm talking pre-race strategy, filming practice sessions, talking about the racetrack, meeting the riders, getting cool swag, getting to hang out with guys like Dave Drakes, getting to hang out with guys like me at the track. It's an awesome program and the money goes right back to the privateers you're actually supporting their racing program and you get a really cool experience check it out google the collective experience first thing that pops up you can check out their intern program you can check out all that fun stuff you guys need to get on this program check it out you can like collective ex i believe on instagram uh the collective xp is their uh website i believe Check them out, The Collective Experience. Dave Drake's over there, great friend of mine, and he wants you guys to be part of this program. Check it out. Can't wait to see you there. The Collective Experience, a proud sponsor of the Big MX Radio Podcast. 
What's up, Big MX Radio listeners? I can't thank you enough for listening to this episode of the Big MX Radio podcast. It means so much to me that you guys would take time out of your day to listen to the podcast. Hopefully you're entertained. Hopefully you guys find some information that you didn't already get from another podcast. And uh, if you guys have any requests whatsoever on content you'd like to see on the Big MX Radio podcast, please send me either a direct message on Instagram. If you're not already following, I hope you do. It's bradgebhardt88 on Instagram. And you can also find me via email, bradgebhardt88 at gmail.com. Hit me up in the DMs. And uh, thank you again for listening to these uh, really important commercials. Uh, We do our best to uh, plug our sponsors. And I hope that you guys support our sponsors like Medterra CBD as well as uh, Maxima Racing Oils and uh, Fly Racing is coming on soon and uh, really looking forward to that. So thanks again for listening to the Big MX Radio podcast. Garrett, Dale, all, all my good friends that are listening, I really appreciate you guys uh, making the time to listen to the podcast and uh, thanks again and uh, let's get back to the show. And we're back, Big MX Radio podcast brought to you by Medterra CBD. You've heard it from the, the top of the show. If you enter discount code BigMXRadio15, you can save 15% every time you shop MedTerraCBD.com. Check it out. All right, four fifties, And I hate to do this, but I have to. We're going to talk qualifying for sh- just a short bit before we get to that awesome main event where Adam Cianciarola regrettably uh, did not uh, make his first main, or no, no, make his first win. He made his first podium. Kind of fucked up the win, but we'll get to that. I want to talk about the fact that uh, the 3-3-0 in your program, number one in your hearts, mine as well, really good guy. He somehow set his fastest lap time in the earliest day, part, of the, part of the day, before all the lines were put into the track. First thing in the morning, AJ Catanzaro, his fastest lap time, a three minute, two second, and ten and, and two tenths, almost three tenths, for forty fifth fastest in the four fifty class. Uh, someone needs to pull his socks up. We know AJ's better than that. We know AJ has made it into multiple main events over the years. He's a long way from that right now as far as uh, lap times go. If he was to go, like say if we were at a triple crown right now, for him to go straight into the main event, he would have to knock off four seconds a lap, roughly, to get in there. Straight through, actually, yes, five, actually five seconds a lap. He'd, uh, he'd have to drop his times uh, to get up to the 58 second mark, which was uh, where uh, Tyler Bowers was, uh, to make it into the uh, to the main event. Uh, straight through if this is a triple crown, like if not having not have to go to the LCQ. Uh, but to, to get in and around where I believe he should be, where his potential is, he should be running around that 20th to 24th spot. He's got to drop about three seconds a lap. Uh, we've talked in the, on, on the podcast in the past how AJ, he's got, uh, he's had a, uh, some, like, he, he, sometimes he's his own biggest critic, right? He, he's, He's a guy who who expects great things from himself. Maybe he hasn't been uh, spending as much time on two wheels as uh, as needed, uh, and as maybe as many as much as some of the guys he's been racing with, or he did race against this weekend. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed to see uh, his results this weekend. I know he was disappointed to see those results, and I know you were disappointed in those results as well, having not uh, been able to go to the night show. I expect better things from him for the rest of the year. What uh, what was the vibe at the truck at the uh, 
SDG uh, uh, racing uh, suspension racing team uh, on the Cowies, where uh, AJ came back to the truck after uh, his second time, uh, his, his fastest time was recorded, and uh, yeah, not not uh, not not a happy camper, I don't imagine. Oh, definitely not, man. I mean, one thing that uh, SGB guys knew that this is going to be, you know, his first race. Everyone's kind of getting their feet wet, um, you know, getting their toe in for a whole long season. So um, I think everyone expects, and and without even really thinking about it, that you know, both the riders for SGB is, is you know, Alex Ray and AJ Catanzaro. They're just going to be the night program automatically. They're they're known, you know, for qualifying very easily. Um, which, you know, A-Ray did. Um, AJ seemed like, you know, he was kind of getting a slow start in the first on time. Um, and then, you know, second second time, you're like, okay, you know, hey, man, time to shake it off a little bit, you know. There's some cobwebs on you, but uh, bike's handling really good. Um, you know, everything else is, is, is in order. Just, you know, hit your marks, you know, talk to go through your lines, like, as, as you talked about, stuff like that. But I don't think he ever really got comfortable in any of the sessions. I mean, I think he was really just fighting the bike a little bit and, um, I don't know, just didn't look very, very confident out there. And, uh, I, I, I do think he should be on the bike a little bit more. I mean, he'll be the first person to tell you, um, so, you know, if anyone asks, he does, he does kind of slack a little bit when it comes to, uh, getting, getting the, the, the most effective seat time that he could. Um, you know, having said that he does have a lot of his plate with the classes and, um, doing his vlog series and a lot of sponsorship obligations. So, uh, it's understandable in that regard, but you know, this is the pinnacle of the sport and we got to make sure that, you know, as top athletes that we're representing our sponsors and, uh, ourselves, you know, cause these guys are all making a, a legacy for themselves. Essentially, you got to make sure you're representing that very well and, and living up to the potential that you, that you really can and, and that you have. So, uh, I think this is, you know, a fluke round for AJ. I think he's going to go back to the drawing board. Um, you know, take his notes back about what he, he uh, can improve on and come out swimming for next weekend. I don't, I don't expect to see AJ uh, outside of the Fast 40, um, you know, any more this season. Uh, hopefully uh, yeah, he can he can get that squared away because I know uh, Jason at SGB demands more and the amount of effort those guys put in, they, they really should be in the, like you said, the top 20 to 24 very, very easily. So. Yeah, that's where he's been in the past. Like, I'm just going off of, uh, who he's been able to match times with in the past. Like, uh, I look at guys like Josh Cartwright and Austin, uh, Politelli, uh, and Frederick Dorn, all great racers in their own right. But you've been able to say, uh, AJ Catanzaro's name in that breath for a long period of time. And I believe we'll be able to do that again in short order. I do know that, uh, qualifying times, maybe not, uh, AJ's, uh, strength. So when he gets into, uh, those heat races and, uh, when it comes to racecraft and getting into the main events, he's one of those guys that, uh, when you see him qualifying, say in the 33rd spot, you're like, oh, there's no way he makes it into the main event. And then all of a sudden you see him there, uh, making it in through heat races. Uh, that is the biggest difference. So let's talk about some of the other storylines that emerged from, the LC or from the qualifying. We're not just going to talk about AJ Catanzaro and the collective experience, collective experience, um, collective, the collective experience XP.com to find out more information on the collective experience, uh, owned and operated by the guy on the line right now, David Drakes, Adam Cianciarolo in his first full time, everybody's at the, at the track. Nobody's out basically, except for Marvin who's kind of course. Um, goes out there and sets the fastest lap time by a whole half second. 
faster than Eli Tomac, faster than Ken Roxon, faster than Dean Wilson, and certainly faster than Cooper Webb, who was almost a full, he was a full two seconds slower. That's a big gap back to the 15th spot where Cooper was. Uh, what's a bigger story here? Adam Cintrill, as a pure rookie in the 450 class, of course, spent a lot of time in the 250s due to injury, but now uh, now finds himself as a full-time 450 guy, getting uh, the pole position at his first race. Of course, we know that he's a fast rider, or the guy that's carrying around that heavy number one plate. Uh, we know he was dealing with a bit of a flu. Uh, we don't know. Uh, there's always a little bit of secret, uh, secretive stuff that goes on with the uh, uh, the the KTM guys and all the uh, the Elden Baker program. You don't know how uh, what's how much riding they did going in. They keep a lot of injuries uh, quiet and stuff like that. We don't know it, at, really at all what what Cooper Webb is dealing with. But either way, fifteenth spot. Uh, but a but ugly start to the day that ended with a podium. What what's the bigger surprise to you that Adams at the top of the board? Or Cooper nowhere near it. Uh, I have to say Cooper being the fifteenth. I mean, if you would have asked me all of this without MEC being, you know, taken into account, I would have said all day. Um, you know, Adam Cincerello just jumped up to the top of the leaderboard, setting the fastest lap time, uh, first race in the four fifty, um, all that stuff. But uh, you know, being that we saw Adam race at Monster Cup and just how fluid and comfortable and fast he looked up against arguably the fastest guy that we have in the sport right now, Eli Tomac. Um, yeah, we, we, we've, we've seen him do that, man. I mean, it's, it's, uh, I guess it's not that much of a unknown at this point. I mean, you've got half the industry on the AC bandwagon to win the title. So it's kind of almost, I don't say expected, but, you know, we, we, we know how fast Adam is. We know what he's capable of based off of his MEC ride. Um, Cooper, however, this is like, this is the, the people's champ at this point, you know, the underdog from last year who came out, stuck it to these guys and really messed with, you know, everyone's chances of winning the title really early on. Um, him being in that 15 spot is really not what we've seen out of Cooper since he's been on KTM. This is like, you know, Cooper first year in the 450 and the, the Yamaha um, 450. And um, I think mean, people have completely put that out of their minds. So this is, uh, this is, New territory for Webb, I think, you know, is this a good indication of what the season will be like? Definitely not. I think Cooper is clearly capable of winning. Um, he's a defending champion. Uh, I, I think he's more than capable of, of going out and winning and being a title contender. Um, but it was uh, it was sort of telling a little bit about just how gnarly the track conditions were and just how, uh, how stacked this class is. I mean, not only is it chock full of riders it's chock full of very 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 talented riders you have almost up to the 20th spot of all factory guys so um every little bit of time you can make up on the track definitely counts and getting comfortable really really quick like we see ac or tom michael and anderson do uh it's paramount to a to a good um good finish and and just overall confidence for the day so uh i expect that cooper's going to get this figured out for uh for next week and uh, maybe with a better start, we can see him sort of battle up with those uh, with the Kawasaki uh, guys, with Eli Tomac and uh, AC, and maybe uh, maybe Roxton as well. Yeah, Cooper was dealing with a bit of a flu. Same thing with Zach Osborne. I think the the fact that both of them are outside the top ten in qualifying is uh, more than evidence of that. Uh, which is, uh, and then uh, Zach had that big get off during uh, qualifying as well in the first session. So. 
Uh, hopefully, he's uh, not any worse for wear for that rolling into the second week here. Uh, and that's two more guys that you're going to have to see in the in that mix. Like when when you're looking at the main event results for the 450s, we quickly scroll over to the the main main event results for the 450s. Um, it's just chocked full of talent. It's chocked full of guys that are on a full factory machine. Like um, the the Moto Concepts guys are on very very uh, competitive uh, equipment, and you know that because they were literally ninth, tenth, and eleventh. Uh, and their old teammate uh, um, Justin Brayton was sitting eighth. So it's basically just a big red knot in the middle of this uh, this main event, which uh, with. Uh, Eli Tomac in uh, the seventh place spot, and uh, uh, Aaron Plessinger uh, not really having the bounce back start the, to the year that he was looking for. He ended up having to go. Uh, he ended up, ended up having to go in through the LCQ to make it into the main event. Uh, so he he had a, a butt ugly start to his day with the uh, going down in the heat race uh, in the first corner. Uh, ends up kind of mopping up a little bit. Starts out twelfth, uh, finishes twelfth. So uh, sort of that was the night for um, Aaron Plessinger. But like I was mentioning, tons of factory supported guys. You have to go all the way back to Martin Davalos, who's basically on a Rocky Mountain ATV MC KTM. Uh, and then even further back to that 17th spot, your boy, Tyler Bowers, who ends up coming in through the LCQ as well. Uh, he gets the second last spot in the LCQ, uh, banging his way through and, and making that happen. Um, it was uh, it was pretty crazy to see. Like It's just all these extremely talented guys, tons of guys that are on factory back sport. Like, literally, I think the only three guys other than Chad Reed... Uh, yeah, other than the only three guys that, or four guys that didn't have factory back support, Bowers, Reed, Chisholm, and Blos. Everyone else in the main event had some sort of factory back support, uh, including the, uh, the Rocky Mountain, or not the, the MCR guys. So, like, there's not a whole lot of space for, uh, for privateers. I know that's, uh, uh, the, the core nucleus of the collective experience, but you guys able to get one of those guys in there with Tyler Bowers. That's got to feel good. Uh, having, uh, got the bear, uh, into the main event aboard his Kawasaki, uh, hailing from, uh, Lake Elsinore and then having his wife, uh, holding the 32nd board. Uh, that's got to give you a little extra motivation. Yes. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he, uh, answered up a little bit, but, uh, yeah, you know, go make it Bowers. He's a super talented guy. Um, that LCQ race between him and Plessinger, that battle was one for the ages. Super, super cool to see that. Love it all about battle where the guys are just, they're riding clean, but they are riding really, really aggressive. Absolutely love that. Um, hopefully he puts Bowers on a lot more guys' radar as he's not talked about as nearly as much as he should. So, uh, yeah, hats off to Bowers and the Trigger Racing team. Shout out to those guys. Um, yeah, this, this whole class is, again, it's it very similar to the 250. It's packed with talent. I mean, just about every guy, in the main, it's a factory guy. Um, it, it's leaving very little room for the privateer guys. And I think this is a testament to how elevated the level of racing is now. I mean, a lot of guys are going really, really fast now. And even some of those uh, like second-tier riders or satellite support riders, they're, they're all out, man. They're, they're getting just as fast as their factory counterparts. And um, it's, it's tripping the gap between lap times between each and every rider. So... Uh, if this is any indication of where the sport's headed, you can guarantee that we're going to have some very, very competitive uh, Supercross races in the near future, where it's probably only going to come down to starts, you know. 
and we have this all-out brawls with with, uh, with these top guys. Really, really awesome to see that. And uh, I'm, I'm suspecting that this this next weekend's race is going to be just a little bit better for passing, a little bit more open. Uh, St. Louis it tends to be a, a much better track, maybe a little bit bigger layout uh, than uh, the Angel Stadium. So. I'm I'm really hoping for some really good battles, man, and and you know like from the MCR guys and and from the Rocky Mountain guys, it, it's it could be anyone's anyone's race at this point, man. They're they're all just going so incredibly fast. Everyone's on such great equipment. It, you'd be hard pressed to go on the line and find a bad bike, a bad team, or a bad rider. So everyone's just so elegant right now. Fair enough. So, um, in the 450 main event, I see three storylines here. Two of which are kind of a non-factor, and the the third one is sort of uh, just an absolute cleanup duty, like basically minimizing damage, and sort of that's what championship rides are all about. Not sure foreshadowing this is how it all turns out, but Cooper Webb definitely doing himself some favors by turning a 15th spot qualifying and ended up sixth out of the heat out of the heat race. So we got they got a third in one of the heat races. Um, for a guy who's who's looking to get top qualifier and winning heat races and getting all those bonuses that are required with that, I, I doubt he even has a top three bonus in his in his contract. He's probably got win bonuses only. Um, but on a night where things did not fall his way, he ends up with a very strong round of the main event, uh, a, a podium performance, and uh, the chaos in front of him where Adam Cincerulo. Uh, after inheriting the lead from uh, Justin Barsha, who uh, who puts the bike on the ground after uh, or after leading many laps, um, he uh, he Adam ends up giving the lead right back to Barsha about four laps later, five or five, I guess I guess seven laps later. Um, after after like looking like the the race was his, I think he extended the lead to about three seconds before uh, handing it back to Barsha. Um, but before we get to the, the battle for the lead, uh, how much of a outstanding performance is it when, uh, Cooper Webb is able to go out there and, and just straight up perform and get that podium ride when, uh, the rest of the night and the daytime program was, uh, like he might, he probably had the shits back at the, the, the truck because he had the flu. And then the rest of his day was also the shits because of the qualifying and the heat race. But the main event, he turned out to be the shit. Because he was uh, getting, he was on the podium. <laughs> Lots of shit. Yeah, he, he had a, uh, a very uh, kind of a similar ride last year, where I think he went either even farther back and made up more positions. Um, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was like a almost dead last to fifth to salvage points. It could be wrong. I think it might be a few spots off, but uh, yeah, for Cooper Webb, way to do damage control, man, and go from a 15 qualifying spot to a third. And the main event versus you know some of the best riders in the world, man. I mean, even though he's a defending champion, a lot of other riders uh, are have stepped it up, like I said before. So um, it, it really shows just how determined and uh, and how well Cooper is at, at riding his motorcycle. You know, just point blank. And uh, I will tell people the track was so gnarly, the ruts were deep, and they might not have reflected on TV, but a, a lot of these guys had to crawl through some of these sections. And Cooper Webb. Looked like he was, you know, pretty much on rails for the most part. So, um, hats off to him. It, it, it's it's rides like that that really determine a champion when you can actually um, 
take your 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 negatives, which you know we're going to call a 15 for a defending champion in qualifying. That's that's not that good. Um, take a negative, reset, and then just pretend it never happened. Go out and get a third in the main event, and we came back so far. That's pretty damn good. So um, yeah, I, I I totally think that um, Cooper Webb's deserving of, uh, of of being mentioned as uh, one of the top guys to to take this uh, this title of the Holy Home. Um, going back to AC and Barsha, I was absolutely ecstatic to see AC, one of my favorite riders, out front. I mean, w- what a story that would have been, huh? You know, going to, to from from winning the MEC to uh, you know being talked about all through social media and Instagram, and then you know come out to uh, to Anaheim one, your first 450 Supercross race, and win the whole damn thing. I mean, that would have been absolutely insane. Um, but you can't take anything away from Barsha's win. The guy rode very well, stalked AC, and was able to pull a gap. AC did kind of get that gap down just a little bit here and there. I think AC was a little bit quicker in the second uh, set of whoops, maybe the second half of the track before the uh, over-tunnel. Uh, the um, but still, I mean, Barsha rode masterfully. Um, I got my ass kicked in fantasy because I didn't pick the guy, which I should have. If anything, uh, if anything like this happens uh, again, then I, I'm going to have to call you up for some fantasy help, man. But uh, hats off to all those guys, man. I mean, Barsha, not really talked about by many people. I think this is going to start putting him in a lot more people's conversations about, you know, who these spoilers for the championship could possibly be. Um, let's see if this confidence keeps him going forward and we can see the, uh, the, the Barsha machine just, you know, doing what Cooper did last year, man. You never know. You do never know. And the thing the thing is, you can't really take too much away from Anaheim 1 as much as it's a, one of the biggest races of the year. It's one of the biggest, uh, the nights where everything just sort of, like, like this is where it's all supposed to come together, right? And uh, But at the same time, it's one race. And uh, in, in we, we've seen Eli Tomac have a seventh place before at the main of at the A1. We've also seen him back that up uh with a seventh place at the the following round and 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 start slow. That seems to be his MO. Uh and then he heats up and starts rattling off wins. So by no means is he out of this, but at no point is he doing himself any favors. And if anything, Justin Barsha winning the main event um in a lot of people's minds, I think and and, and to me as well a little bit, it becomes a bit of a non-story because um, I believe he won two races his rookie season, and then maybe a one or two other two another season or one another season, and then he obviously wins last uh, year the first race, and then uh, like that was his best uh, best outing, and we didn't see much from him after that. He got he was injured a little bit, um, and um, he sort of he had that one win and um, just sort of continues on of course that that's that's a great way to have some job security anytime you can win races um that's uh that's good for business when it comes to racing motocross or supercross for that matter um but uh like in your opinion what does this mean for justin barsha does this mean that justin barsha has the ability and has the uh like it can be a serious contender throughout the season and actually uh and and challenge for wins week in and week out or uh, does this just once again prove that Justin Barsha, like he did at Glen Helen in 2009 at his first race, where he led laps, uh, didn't win that race, but he's always done well, uh, where he's 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 won races uh, early in seasons la- uh, before, including last year, and he did, did so again. The guy's got ice in his veins, he's extremely talented, and doesn't buckle under the pressure whatsoever. 
And uh, and that's just sort of uh, what we know to expect from Justin Barsha. We also know to expect that this is this trend is not to continue, and uh, and and maybe this might be his best night of the year. Yeah, I, I think this uh, this bodes very well for Justin. I mean, it's never been an issue or or been a, a topic of him not having the talent or the ability to go out there, go fast, and be a title contender in the 450 series. Um, no one's ever doubted the guy's ability to do that. Um, I think what his issue is is inconsistency, which plagues so many writers in our sport. Justin can come out and do what he did, um, you know, a couple nights ago where you win a one, and then sort of falter as the season progresses. Like look at last year, he won the the season opener. Everyone was touting Barsha as you know, hey, the old Bam Bam of uh, you know the 2013, 2014. Uh, we kind of made uh, his splash into the uh, 450 scene. But yeah, oh, he's back. He's going to you know, come out winning. And by the end of the season, I don't think any of us are mentioning Barsha. So um, it, it, it can definitely be a, I guess, topsy turvy season for Barsha if he if he isn't able to keep momentum going forward, get the confidence up, and ride like he rode on Saturday night every single weekend. Um, I, again, he's super capable of it. The guy is on one of the best bikes ever produced uh, in the history. I mean, the Yamaha 450, everyone loves it. I don't care who you are. You would love that bike. Um, it's just a matter of, you know, can he can he sustain this type of result week in and week out and sort of mitigate those bad rides? Because a bad ride for Barsha, we've seen in the past, is, can be pretty, pretty bad where championship contenders – their worst, their worst rides are you know, fifths, fourths, uh, maybe a tenth here or there. But, uh, yeah, I, I would love to say that Barsha is back, but um, uh, we're going to have to see a little bit more. But it's definitely a step in the right direction, and he's going to be talked about for sure after, uh, after this ride. For sure. And like like I said, this is the job security needed to uh, to keep moving forward. And uh, and and solidify him spot uh, moving forward. Plus, he looked pretty good. I like some people like the the Alpine Star gear. I actually liked it. Like uh, I always go judge a, a a set of gear not by what it looks like when the the bike's in not in motion or when you're standing around in the pits. When you're on the bike and it looked good on the bike with the blue and the red and the white. I I really like that look. Uh, he's got the monster helmet on, of course, showing the claw and the TLD uh, painted helmet. That's pretty cool. But uh, um, 450 class looking at this this main event scores uh outside of eli tomac because we know he needs to get uh uh that kawasaki in gear and get to the front of the pack in 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 an expedient fashion uh who in your opinion needs to have a way better weekend here in st louis where the two of us will descend on a supercross track for the first time in a long time yeah man can't wait for it it's gonna be super awesome um i'm gonna call out maybe three guys Number one being Malcolm Stewart. Uh, after his off-season races, the way he rode last year, the way he talked about the media, and just watching how great he rides, some of these edits that we get a chance to see, uh, Malcolm is expected to be uh, maybe worst top five. I- I'm going to say, following his rides last year. Um, another person, uh, definitely Zach Osborne. That guy is a multi-time 250 champion. Um, all out badass, and that guy is definitely a title contender without a doubt. Um, he needs to be up there in that top five position as well. Um, also, going to name out Aaron Plessinger, man. That guy is um, 
a Saifu Yamaha rider, uh, you know, multi-time 250 champion, same as like Osborne. He deserves to be up in that uh, up in that top five position as well. I mean, those are these are heavy-hitting factory guys that are the best and brightest from both of their respective OEMs. Uh, they should, they should, they all should be up there uh, where you know Baggett and Cooper and and ACR most definitely. Um, another rider, if I can call out one more, I, I definitely thought that Davos would have a better showing. I mean, I know it is just A1, but um, after all of the talk about him, you know, how well he rides the 450, for sure thought a top 10 was almost a guarantee, worst-case scenario for, for Davos. So, no, really? Definitely, really? Definitely you actually felt that? I have much better rides. You really I did. thought that? I honestly, after watching, With that talent, like Davos literally. was going to be a top 10 guy. Top 10 guy. He's going to be top like, 10 who, guy. Uh, the, the who out of the top 10 would you, who out of the top 10 from A1 would you knock out of there and put him in? Keeping in mind that uh, Osborne um, wasn't there honestly, and, I'd and, put and, him, i put him where Freezy, where Freezy is. I would say, okay. I expected Davos to be better than Freeze. Do you, would you I'd put, put uh, lot, Osborne ahead of fine. Davos? Like, I, I, would I put, say it again? Would you put, would you normally put Osborne ahead of Davos? Uh, I would. Okay, so if you're putting uh, if you're putting Osborne in front of Davalos, and you want you sh- you would put uh, Davalos where Fe- Freeze was, uh, that again bumps uh, Marty out of the top ten because uh, Zacho would, in fourteenth. Honestly, I would I would replace Baggett with Osborne too. Um, that's that's okay. just swapping okay. uh, positions like this. You know, bringing Baggett from fourteenth. They're from fourth to fourteenth. I'm just saying I would squeeze Osborne one um, in that baggage spot and move back it down one possibly. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, I for sure thought Davalos was gonna um, was gonna get a top ten. Just again following just what a lot of people are saying in the industry about the way he's riding, how comfortable he's in the bike and those edits. Um, just a little disappointed with the fifteenth. But like I said, it's only a one. Still plenty of time to uh, show us what we got. Fair enough. Well, like uh, I'll, okay. Five lap race, so obviously fitness is not an issue. Who's got more speed on a, 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 on a North American Supercross track? Your boy Malcolm Stewart or Marty Davalos? Oh, for sure, Malcolm Stewart. Oh shit! I hope that I hope we see some all out, uh, all out speed. I, I, I think uh, I'd like to see that uh, that table set for two more than a few times. We're knocking on the door of an hour into this podcast, and uh, I think uh, we, we've touched just about everything, uh, other than the fact that uh, Chad Reed hits 250, uh, 250 main events made uh, in his career. He has to go to the LCQ to get there. Yeah. Ends up 18th. Um, unfortunately uh, for fans and I, I understand that he, he's a legend of sport will always be a legend of sport I don't think this tarnishes any type of legacy because the two the guy is a two-time champion uh, in the sport and anyone who remembers Chad and like like because people who like say if you started watching five years ago like you may be a Chad Reed fan because you like who he is and how he rides a motorcycle and how good he was social media you love his family his kids this that and everything but I'm sorry, but you're not a Chad Reed fan of from when he came over and didn't want to ride the the 252s the the 250F, but they made him do it anyway. He wins a, a Supercross title going away, just about wins every every race on the 
on the East Coast that year. James Stewart gets beat by Travis Preston, no big deal. And then the the two of them go toe to toe in outdoors. He then uh, goes to the 450 class and rat- rattles off six straight wins that next season uh, to close out the series, even though he lot- loses the championship to Ricky Carmichael. Probably should have won that championship, if not for some bad luck, uh, earlier in that particular year. He should maybe be a three-time champion in the sport. The guy who, at times, would lap all the way up to fourth or fifth in a lot of main events. That's who I grew up watching. That's who I'm a fan of. I, I, I love Chad for who he is and what he does with the sport. Um, but uh, it, it's 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 a little bit unfortunate to see his career go out like a lamb rather than go out like a lion. But uh, it's still cool to see 250 uh, main event wins. There's not too many guys out there that can say at his age that they'd still be making, uh, making main events and... Um, doing it and uh, 18th is maybe for sure not at all where he wants to be at all by any shape or form Uh, you know he wasn't prepared for this but uh, starting 16th uh, getting shuffled the back two spots to uh, the 18th spot Um, hey I like uh, what can you say the guy put it into the main for the 250th time Uh, he's gonna win he's gonna race all but two of these I think Uh, of course barring injury and uh, yeah it's uh, a farewell tour for uh, for Chad Reed. So, uh, any, any last uh, comments on uh, on Chad as the uh, the clock uh, hits midnight here on uh, on the podcast? Literally, I would just say uh, you know, round of applause to Chad Reed for such an incredible career. I mean, when he came out for you know opening ceremonies, I mean, he had everyone on their feet just you know screaming for him. Last A one appearance, last time he's riding. Um, you know, through the through the crowd, you know, addressing everybody, and um, you know, all, all the lights and smoke show, and you know, it was super cool. They burned a 22 and fire on the track for them. It was really really cool to see. So, hats off up to one of the absolute legends of the sport, and um, it was really good to see him, you know, go out with such good, with, with such huge fanfare. Um, yeah, I mean, granted, I'm, I'm very grateful to have Chad Reed still racing, no matter what position he's, he ends up in. Um, I will say, you know, just over the years, we're so used to seeing Chad Reed winning or or runner up or get the worst of podium. So we, when he's you know 18th and stuff, you know, we're kind of like, oh man, you know, what happened to Chad Reed? But uh, we got to remember, you know, he's he's had so many of these seasons and he's won so much and he's been the guy for so long um, that you know we've got a lot of good memories to to uh, to call on when we when we talk about Chad Reed. So. Um, it would be absolutely insane if the guy could come out and get a podium or just like sneak a win in. I mean, it would make so many people happy. I would be just screaming at the top of my lungs in the stadium if this guy was out front just giving it to these young cats. So, um, you know, we can all wish. I think we all have the same collective wish as a, as a sports, uh, sports fans of uh, Supercross. So I see what you uh, did maybe, there. Maybe you can make it happen eventually. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's just good to see it to see him still racing. Um, you know, this team is last year. He's going to make a lot of great memories, and uh, he pretty much influenced influenced a whole generation of riders, him, Ricky, and James. So, um, yeah, again, huge round of applause for that guy because he uh, definitely, definitely made the sport with it, you know that much better with his presence. For sure, I think uh, like to, to see you still have him out there for fans to be able to see the guy do do his thing. That's kind of like. Uh, 
you and I being able to see sort of Bob Hanna or maybe uh, a Jeff Stanton uh, racing when we started getting going. You know, the guy, the guy hung up long before we got started. Uh, but it would have been cool just to see those guys keep doing it a little bit longer. Uh, and then just see he still has the passion for it and the ability. So uh, hats off to the guy. Some people want to give him shit uh, for not uh, giving up the spot and letting the kids take over. But uh, about uh, 15 weeks from now, that's the case. So everyone just enjoy the farewell tour and uh, let the good times roll. Uh, that's the, the Big MX Radio race, uh, race wrap-up. For A1 2020, we're rolling in. We're gonna not, we're not gonna miss any of these. We're gonna try and do them on either the Sunday or the Monday after uh, each of these races. We're gonna upload this as soon as we can uh, once this conversation's done. Dave, uh, I know you still got some spots open uh, from week to week with the collective experience. Before I let you go, let people know if they can find out more information or if you have anything that you can share right now. Do so. Do it right now. Oh, for sure. We've got spots open for this weekend as part of our TCESX internship program. Now, this is way more than your typical internship program. We're bringing people hands-on and behind the scenes with some of their favorite Supercross races for a, a totally immersive experience, getting uh, you know a, a working position with these riders. So not only are you helping them with uh, you know race line decisions, helping them on track walks, helping them with bike setup, uh, you're also helping them with social media, uh, helping them with uh, fan interactions, helping them with sponsor interactions. So you're getting a really cool look at the industry as a whole from many different roles all rolled up into this one internship program. Um, be sure to check us out at the Collective EX on Instagram, um, thecollectivexp.com to download your form to be able to enter our internship program and send those signed forms back into contact at thecollectivexp.com. Hit us up with any questions. And as always, we have our very, very popular TCE fan experience program where you can just be a plain old VIP, get catered, get close to the action, get industry seating. Um, you're still able to get on track walks. You're getting tons of goodie bags, just totally spoiled and pampered by the riders, by the teams, and making it feel like you are actually one of us for the day. Um, the plus, you get tons of promo codes. Um, as well as uh, the opportunity to meet people like Mr. Brad Gebhardt from Big MX Radio. So definitely be sure to check it out. Send us all of your questions, and we want to be there for you to give you uh, a Supercross experience that you've never imagined possible. And it's brought to you by people like Mr. Gebhardt from Big MX Radio. So there Brad, you go, my friend. really amped to get you to this weekend, man. We're going to have a really good time, dude. I'm so pumped on it. Absolutely no, I, uh, I I'm I'm stoked. I fly in late, unfortunately Friday, but I actually fly out late on Sunday as well. I'll have like the day to myself, so maybe we we'll go for breakfast or something. We'll figure something. Out. I don't know when you fly out Sunday. I'm driving but... in, so I've got I've got time to kill, man. I've got time oh to shit! Kill. <laughs> then then I'll, uh, I'll I'll take that that uh, that uh, your offer for you to pick me up from the airport. Um, we'll talk about it anyway. You have yourself a great one. Really appreciate the time. As usual, do not hang up just yet. But for podcast sake, we're going to cut it off right there.